Today's episode is brought to you by the Strand Tennis Center. Located just 40 minutes outside of Manhattan, the Strand is the tennis brainchild of owner Stephen Capo, and it's my favorite facility to sweat, learn, and have fun while playing tennis. Follow the Strand on Instagram or Twitter at Strand Tennis for more information. Hey, fantastic fans. It's so good to be back this week. We have so many laughs in store for you today. Jen kept me on my toes with a smile from start to finish. So I hope you have fun with today's episode. And thanks for tuning in and showing support. You can help keep this show on the air by visiting our merch store at www.redbubble.com and search Fantastic Tennis for a ton of fun t-shirts, coffee mugs, and more like a shower curtain if you need one. Now let's jump right into today's show and get to know the fantastic Jennifer Brady. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. I mean, they always have a big mouth. They always talk a lot. So it happened before, it's going to happen again. Our fan guest today is a sports physical therapist living in San Francisco, California. As a fellow UCLA graduate, it's no wonder why he's such a big fan of our player guest today, as he lists her 2021 Australian Open final as his proudest fan moment. This is also the first time I've seen him in 10 years since we teamed up to win a doubles tournament in Washington, D.C. It's my buddy that I haven't seen in 10 years. Tony Tran, what's up? Hey, John. How are you? Long time to see. (laughs) I know. You know, we can't blame an entire pandemic since we've seen each other. It's been 10 years, right? Right. (laughs) It has been 10 years. We get to hang with the queen of UCLA tennis today. This is going to be awesome. I'm I'm super excited. 10 years definitely flew right by, but I remember our doubles title, Tony, like it was yesterday, for sure. I remember our outfit, (laughs) our leopard print outfits, shorts (laughs) with our neon yellow shirt. I had to pull that together (laughs) a few days before our tournament because I wanted something classic to wear for if we got to the finals, which we did. And we took a picture. Yeah, I remember first, I remember two things. I remember having a great time laughing the entire time for sure. But I remember feeling like if we had matching outfits that there was no way we were going to lose. I think there's like some mental block when doubles teams play someone in matching outfits. I don't know. I'll have to ask Jen later, but you did great. Yeah, we played in matching outfits. We'll put the picture up on our fantastic tennis Instagram. Thank you. Thanks for that. We won. So yeah. Yes. All right. Well, we have a big show lined up, Tony, and it's somebody we love very much. And I know you went to UCLA, so the connection is real. So let's bring out your Bruin buddy (laughs) and get the show started today. If you're a tennis fan, then you've surely been a part of our guest's steady rise up the world rankings ever since she helped lead her alma mater, UCLA, to the 2014 NCAA championship team title. After two years as a Bruin, she transitioned her heavy topspin forehand, powerful kick serve, and all-court game to the Pro Tour, where she'd amass four career ITF singles titles. But it would be her surprising runs to the fourth round of both the 2017 Australian Open and U.S. Open that would catapult her onto tennis radars. In the years following, she would continue to establish herself. But in 2020, as tennis was taking a long COVID break and the world was adjusting to life with face masks and Lysol, Our guest came out firing, playing the best tennis of her life, as she'd win her first career WTA singles title in Lexington, Kentucky, without dropping a set. She'd continue her stellar form by making the semifinals of the 2020 U.S. Open, and just four months later, 
she'd get her U.S. Open rematch against Naomi Osaka as she'd make the finals of her first Grand Slam at the 2021 Australian Open. A foot injury has sidelined our guests for nearly seven months, but we're excited to welcome her back to the tour as she's ready to pick up where she left off. And I have to mention that after almost 50 episodes of this show, I've officially only retired just one question. Who do you consider the funniest player on tour? Because each time I'd ask, I'd get the same answer over and over and over. Our guest today is hands down a tour favorite. It's the fantastic. I'm sorry. Do you like to be called Jenny or Jennifer? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can call me Jenny. Okay. It's Jennifer Brady. Welcome to Fantastic Tennis. Oh my gosh. I had to do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> that moment went viral. Jen, was that funny to you or no? Okay. Honestly, a lot of people have asked me, but nobody has ever really gotten my opinion, I guess. So I'm giving it. Okay. So. For me in that moment, honestly, I couldn't really hear what Naomi was saying. I guess the positioning of where I was being in in the stadium at the bottom, like right next to her, I couldn't hear what she was saying. And when she turned around and said, do you like to be called Jenny or Jennifer? I was like, oh, this is weird. Um, Jenny. And then I couldn't hear her, but all I heard was Jennifer. And I was like, wait, did she say Jennifer? And I was like, no, I heard it wrong. I was like, no, I heard it wrong because otherwise she wouldn't have asked me. And then I was like, <laughs> and then within, I don't even know, like a few hours, people were sending me videos one after the other of this thing that had gone viral, this meme. But in all fairness, I really don't think she meant it as like a, like a jab or anything. I think she was just so nervous because also she said, congrats, Jennifer. She didn't say like congrats or congratulations. So I think she was just really nervous. And honestly, I feel bad that, you know, she's become like a, a meme, but it was cute. No, yeah. come on. It was fun. It was fun. Oh yeah. I thought maybe exactly what you said. I thought maybe like she couldn't hear and she thought you said any, any. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so she picked which one she wanted. Oh, oh my gosh. You're the first person who's ever even mentioned that. Yeah. I thought she was like any. That's funny. I oh. mean, it would be weird if you just said any, any, I mean, general, I don't know if you're like, which one yeah. do you prefer? Any of them? Probably what you would. Well, I, I do speak a little gibberish. So. Cause you went to UCLA. So you would have used proper grammar as mm, well. Right. <laughs> one would think, one would think, but I do mumble. So I hear myself talk sometimes and I'm like, Ooh, I don't know how my friends can understand me. Well, I'm happy to have Jenny Jennifer, Jen, all your personalities here today. It's going to be so fun. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Thank you. It's so good to see you again. How are you? Are you doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm, uh, you know, rehabbing my foot injury. Uh, it's taking a little bit longer than expected, but you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to when I can get back out there on court and just play again, compete. Your life has been nuts. It really has. It's been this past year was, I mean, maybe it was a welcome break. I don't know. We'll talk about it in a bit, but the last time we saw each other, we were smack dab in the middle of the pandemic in 2020. We were all watching Netflix. I think you were at home in Orlando. We were all home. I was. All the tennis yep. players were home. Yep. <laughs> I randomly messaged you and I asked if you'd jump on a Zoom call with around 40 of your biggest fans from <laughs> yes. all over the world. And you did it. And it was so fun. I had a great time. I hope you had a good time too. And now that all your fans are officially listening out there, I want to say thank you, Jen Brady. You were a legend for doing that. I appreciate that so much. You helped kickstart our fun podcast that we get to hear all these great players and especially you today. So thank you. 
All right. Before we jump into today's show, I have to ask right after we had that call, your entire world changed from Lexington, Kentucky to Melbourne, Australia. I mean, it was it was a crazy six months. Can I can I ask? I, I do want I would do wonder because I, I remember our call vividly when we chatted. And now that you're getting to Grand Slam finals and you're you're kind of becoming well known, we had Victoria Zarenka on the show. We spoke about social media in general. We so we spoke a lot about how it can affect players' mental health and how social media in general can just be a, a, a negative and a positive in a tennis player's career. And she said some really great things. I do wonder, well, actually, there's a lot of your friends that wonder this too. You you have a fan on tennis forum, Celis Queen 30. They wonder, with all your recent success, do you feel like social media has affected your tennis career at all? For me personally, it hasn't. I know there's some players that maybe it has. And I think just the general public, just seeing maybe many people haven't really given their opinion in terms of being in the public eye or being in the spotlight. I mean, I go to the grocery store sometimes and people will come up to me and be like, oh, you're that tennis player. And I'm like, oh, I love that. Yeah, like I played tennis, you know, and I'm like, this is weird. I would have never thought. Just for me in general, like if Bradley Cooper walked by, I wouldn't even know. I'm not very good at spotting celebrities or spotting famous people. Okay, I probably would though. But like some people I probably wouldn't be able to spot or or notice. But I think just the way social media is now, a lot of things you see online aren't really as they seem. And some people are living this fake life and um, they're not portraying actual true things that they're doing in their daily routine. So I think that and also sometimes it can be a distraction. And I know that a lot of uh, sponsors and fans and everybody is kind of resorting to this online database and social media. And for me growing up, the the millennials, we had uh, AIM instant messenger and we would put away messages and that was really, really cool. And now it's all pictures, videos, TikToks, all this stuff. And it just feels like sometimes it could be an obligation. Like you have to post some people are posting what they're doing every day, what they're eating, what how they're training, what they're doing in the gym. And for me, that's personally, that's not really my thing. Like I'm not very good at social media, which is a bit disappointing because a lot of sponsors really look at your social media following and your base and other things like that. But yeah, I think it's it's kind of become a thing that people, it's the first thing they think of, you know, they're in the gym. Oh, let me take a video so I can put it on my Instagram or something like that. And I think mm-hmm. I saw actually a quote from Joe Burrow and he was like, work in silence. Don't post a video of you in the gym on Friday uh, and then sit on your ass for four days. So yeah. I think, you know, you have to work in silence sometimes. No, it makes perfect sense. I just feel like your profession in general you're constantly scrutinized. I think sports is one of those rare jobs where you're being watched all the time. Tony, if I had a camera watching you in your office for 24 hours or when you're there, could you handle that? And then I posted about it. Would you be okay with that? <laughs> I don't know if you would want to do that. I live a pretty boring, you know, professional life in my little corner, treating my patients, going back to my corner. So you know, I, I don't think you want to post that. Yeah, I can't imagine playing <laughs> matches like, you know, you're jet lagged and you get to your, you know, you get to Stuttgart and you're playing your match. And yeah, maybe you didn't play your best. And it's constantly, you know, you have the Twitter haters and the oh, those yeah. horrible sports bettors that are constantly sliding into the DMs and wreaking havoc on your, you know, mental health for sure. Oh, yeah. No, we we all get those DMs. For me, I just really and move on. It doesn't affect me personally. They say some very harsh, cruel things. But if you take that personal, I don't know, I, I think 
You really shouldn't. You really, really shouldn't. Oh, I like it. I like your, I like your attitude, but also for every hater, there's like, you know, someone like us and we're connected by social media too. So I think, you know, there's, there's good and bad, hopefully more good than bad, but you know, who knows? There's definitely more good than bad. When you've accomplished what you've accomplished, Jen Brady, haters beware. I mean, come on. (laughs) Yeah. Jen, you went to Lexington at the end of 2020. You kicked some ass and won your first title, which we're going to talk about a little later. Then you go to the US Open and you make your first Grand Slam semifinal, which we're also going to talk about a little later. And then you go on to make the Australian Open final, which again, we're going to talk about a little later. All that work, all that momentum last year to be sidelined the past seven months with this foot injury. This has to be so frustrating and so maddening for you. Where are we with the injury? How do you, I know you mentioned it. I mean, where are we back on court right now? Or are we, are we still kind of easing ourselves in? We're easing ourselves in uh, right now. I'm starting to feel pretty good. So yeah, it's, it's been a process. I mean, the, just the beginning of where it started, it started back in the clay season. Yeah. A little before around Miami, I started having just minor foot pain and I was like, eh, you know, uh, it's just a little pain. I'll push through it. And then it just kept getting progressively worse and worse and worse until Rome. After my first round match next day, I woke up and it felt like I was stepped on a piece of glass. I couldn't even put weight on my foot. And then I had to withdraw from there and then went to French Open. Don't know how, honestly, don't know how I won two matches there. I was in so much pain. I was crying on court. It's been a long time since I've cried on court. Then Probably haven't cried on court since I was like 12 years old throwing a little temper tantrum but this was a little different circumstance because I was in so much pain but I ended up having to retire against Coco in the third round and then took some time off skipped the grass season came back for the Olympics probably was too soon and then played a match in Cincinnati second round match all of a sudden I was playing Ostapenko and then all of a sudden I felt like a pop in my heel and I tore my plantar fascia in that moment but I didn't know because I was just in so much chronic pain that it was just something that I was like yeah I'm just I'm still in so much pain so let's go to New York so I went to New York and then I was like I can't play so I withdrew before the tournament started and then still didn't get an MRI on the foot because I had so many MRIs on it before and it kept saying the same thing and I just was like all right well let's just rest take some time and then you know a month later it was like okay nothing's getting better let's see and then the MRI showed that I torn it and I was like oh that was definitely from Cincinnati because that's where I felt the pop so I think it's taking longer than expected because I just kept continuously playing on it and really just kept stressing it my body was just in so much pain and now I'm starting to feel feel pretty good and just slowly I don't really want to rush into it even if it takes a couple extra weeks I'd rather be 100% and get back instead of coming back too soon and then maybe it happening again I I mean I don't think I could go through this ever again to be honest with you if it happens again I I, I I've never dealt with anything like this I mean, I'm going to say your fans gave you so much street cred because just as you said, I mean, they could see the evolution of the pain all season long. I mean, from the clay, I mean, every week you kept trying, you kept battling. And that third round of the French, we thought, okay, maybe, you know, maybe it's getting a little better here. And then we saw kind of what happened through the Olympics. And obviously you wanted to be there in Tokyo. Yeah. And then that Ostapenko match, I mean, just Tony, what did you think when you saw when Jen retired in Cincinnati and after the match, when Yelena Ostapenko came over, rushed over and picked Jen up in her arms and gave her a piggyback ride off the court? What did you think as a fan? (laughs) (laughs) That definitely did not happen. Yelena Ostapenko did not pick her up and give her a piggyback ride. (laughs) I was like, wait, what? I'm like, what is going on? 
No, she was like, why is there another medical retirement? Or like, why is it? Why is she taking another medical break? Like she was complaining. I was like, okay. Out of all the people that would give you a piggyback ride, I would think she's not the one that's going to do it. (laughs) No, no. she's definitely not giving you a piggyback ride, Jen. She's like, where are we going with this? Where are we going? (laughs) Poor Tony. (laughs) I just had this visual in my head. I'm sorry. Not to set you up. I was just like, oh my gosh, what if like Yelena Ostapenko were to run over and like give you a piggyback ride off? Like (laughs) that would have been tennis history. She was like fist pumping. Yes, she retired. Exactly. (laughs) That's what really happened. (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. So when you go back on the court, which is very soon, there was an announcement. You talked about it on the tennis channel. You're going to be working with Andrew Bettles, which... Fantastic. I mean, this is coach extraordinaire for Elena Svitolina. I mean, this is a great partnership. I love this partnership. I'm really excited about it. You have a fan in Colorado Springs, Colorado, Amy Howard, who says, Jen, I loved reading that you've started working with Andrew Bettles. As a player, what are some important attributes you look for in a successful coaching partnership? Oh, that is a great question. Not many people ask that. I would say, first of all, you have to mesh well with them. You have to respect them. They also have to understand your personality and what works best for you. But for me, I think if you see a lot recently, I think a lot of people are shifting more towards having younger coaches just because the vibe I feel like is kind of changing. And I mean, you spend so much time with them. They also have to kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, be on the same social stratosphere as you. So I think that's kind of important too. Whereas my trainer, I still am working with my trainer. He lives in Germany and he's the same age as me, but he's like way more mature than I am. So you would never know that he's the same age as me. I didn't know that until like six months of working with him. I was like, wait, I'm actually a month older than you. I was like, uh. Yeah, but if his job is to keep you in line, he has to be more mature than you. That's kind of his job, right? But that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I respect him so much. So whatever he would tell me, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'm going to do it. So there has to be that there has to be the respect. And I've always respected my coaches and people who are trying to, you know, make me better and make me a better tennis player. So I would say respect social skills has to be somewhat similar. And also they have to understand the game. I think just him also being around the WTA for so long, he knows so many of the players already, and he knows how they work and how you know, a lot of the top players, their game styles and just like scouting and all of that, I feel like it's very, very important as well. Yeah. You picked a good one for sure. I mean, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I can't wait. This is, we're both excited. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really good. Yeah. Come on. I'm so excited for today. I really, really am. All right. Let's get in here. Tony. I mean, we're massive Jen Brady fans, right? We're going to start today's show, but I have to know because you started following Jenny, obviously, through UCLA. I mean, that's a given. I tried to wear, I know you can't see right now, but I'm, I had nothing gold. I was like, okay, maybe something gold. That's very close. <laughs> <laughs> close enough. Blue eyes, gold shirt. I was like, I'm hanging with two, with, with two Bruins today. Maybe I should learn the fight song. Is there a secret handshake? I have no idea. I was told before the show, never say bruise. It's not the bruise, even though they should be, but it's fine, whatever. What is it about Jenny and just on court, off court that you've been such a big fan of for over the past couple of seasons? You know, I love her authenticity and her vulnerability. I follow her on social media, especially on Instagram, like you're posting and commenting on like Sue Wei and you give so much love to a lot of the American players. 
you know, like Maddie and Jess in your recent interview. And so you're super positive. You use your platform, your social media platform for good. And you're super supportive to all of the American players. You just are the ultimate hype person. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, that gives everybody just a better insight of who you are as a person. And that's what makes people love you both on and off the court. Just thank you because you're real. Yeah. I mean, I will say too, I, I've also tried with a lot of players, you know, this is, I don't know what number show this is. This is maybe show 50. And I said it earlier, every time I ask a player, who's, who's the funniest, but who do you like to hang around on tour? Who's the positive vibes? Who's the person you want to like be around on tour? It's always Jen Brady, or sometimes it's Jennifer Brady. And if you're Naomi, it's like any, any Brady, any Brady, <laughs> but like totally right. Why are you so popular? What is it? I mean, you just have so many friends. Like, are you just like, you know, that friendly, I don't know. What, what, why do you have so many friends, Jen Brady? I don't know. I think I'm just like what Tony said. I'm just real. Like I'm straight up. I'll tell you how it is. There's nothing to hide. I'm yeah. I'm very authentic people. Is this weird to talk about? Like you're, you're, look at you talking about yourself right now. I love this. This is funny. I'm actually pretty fantastic. I'm quite amazing. Yeah. It's really weird. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't mean to like toot my own horn here, but I haven't really known anyone to dislike me. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just, I'm just a bit of like a class clown. I like to in the locker room. I'm always shooting the shit. I'm always you know, just going up to people and having a conversation. And just because for me being at UCLA, I learned that I love being on a team. And that was probably the two best years of my entire life being on a team at UCLA. And going out on tour, you don't really have a team, you have the people that you travel with your coach, your physio, your trainer, or whatever, whoever you bring with you, your parents, I don't travel with my parents, no, thank you. And a lot of people do, but that's a no from me, dog. And I, who would you take if you had to take one, though? Who's going to have a vodka with you at the bar after the match? My mom. And my mom. Okay, for sure. My mom. Is it vodka? What are you drinking after a win, though? Like, after you win the tournament? Oh, I'm going champagne, vodka. All right, just making sure. I felt like the vibe. All right. But yeah, no, I was just saying, I, I don't mean to toot my own horn here, but yeah, I just, I'm just a, a clown. I'm always cracking jokes, and I'm always, always smiling, laughing, having a good time. So I think that's why people enjoy being around me. Well, I think we enjoy being around you, right, Tony? I think I think it's true. Yeah, it's good. Well, I love fan culture in general. It's I love tennis fan culture. It's my favorite. But <laughs> I'm going to break up this love fest because we're about to play a game called I 40 Love You. It's going to be Tony versus Jenny, Jen, Jennifer, any Brady, UCLA versus UCLA in a fan versus favorite tennis match trivia showdown all about Jenny's career and life. Tony, I'm going to ask you two questions about Jenny's career. And then Jenny, I'm going to ask you two questions that will test just how solid that old Brady brain of yours is. And whoever gets the most right wins bragging rights today. So let's start with question one. Tony, it's for you. You ready? Let's go. All right, Tony, let's see who's a bigger fan. Exactly. I like the competition. That's good. You've been off the court. I want you to feel the vibes. This is good. I know. I need it. (laughs) Your question is, who gave Jen Brady a piggyback ride (laughs) in since it? No, I wouldn't. That's not your question. (laughs) Didn't happen. Didn't happen. All right. It's about some of the amazing players that have played at UCLA. So this is right up your alley. I don't know if you're good with WT trivia, but here it goes. You ready? Let's go. Question one, it's for you. Jenny is officially the most successful female tennis player to have ever come out of UCLA. But there's another legendary alumni 
that is famous for playing Naomi Osaka at an ITF event in 2013 at 66 years old. And then to top that, in 2016 at 69 years old, she played Taylor Townsend at an ITF event in Alabama. Can you name this infamous former UCLA player? I, I, did I shock you that she went to UCLA? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think I'm bringing her up just for no reason? Yeah, she totally went to UC. She's a brew. Also, I was I was at the match against Taylor. I was there watching it. You okay? Wait, hold on one second. One second, because I have to hear this. Because this is this is the most epic player ever. Okay. Tony, how do you feel? Do you, did it come to you? Do you feel like you know this person? I don't. It did not come to me. It's okay. You usually give multiple choice and you're now you're just going a free response. <laughs> you know what? I piggybacked Ostapenko to you. I'm going to give you multiple choice. You ready? Yes. Okay. Your choices are A, Serena Williams. <laughs> B, Chris Everett. <laughs> sorry, I'm cheating for you. I'm sorry. C, Gail Falkenberg. Or D, <laughs> John Garica. Let's go and see. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know it's Gail Falkenberg? How did you get that right? <laughs> Congratulations. Wait, okay. I was there. Did You were at the mat. You were in Dotham, Alabama. I was playing the tournament. I lost first round. That's why you're there. So did everyone just gather to watch this fun fest? Yeah, I felt really bad for Tay. Yeah. I mean, if anybody listening right now does not know who Gail Falkenberg is, please Google, yeah. read up on her right now. It is, she is a legend. She's an absolute legend. I mean, Back. for sure. I mean, she's, she's labeled as the oldest professional tennis player of all time. I mean, she's 60, she was 69 years old when she played Taylor Townsend. Come on. Oof. Are you going to play till you're 50? Hell no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, look, I mean, look now. I mean, we, you're 20, you're 26 now. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, no chance. And my party's already breaking down. <laughs> oh my gosh. But also, by the way, a lot of UCLA greats, I had to do my research on the brews and you had Connors and Ash and, you know, those were some great ones. And then now you have Maxine Cressy and Marcos Jerome and Mackenzie McDonald. Of course, right? These are some great names that are playing right now. I know, crushing it. Jenny, can we talk about your start in tennis? I want to talk about how you started. How did you first discover tennis? I was in Pennsylvania. I grew up in a small town in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. And I remember my dad took my sister. I have a twin sister for anybody who doesn't know. Jessica. Jessica. Okay. I guess we do now. And uh, my dad took my sister and I to just the park nearby. And I think we probably stopped at like Walmart or something and grabbed two rackets, two tiny little teeter-totter rackets and some balls. And we were hitting around and that's what I remember. And some guy, I guess they had a clinic going on and was like, whoa, like, does your daughter play? And my dad was like, no, not really. And then he was like, all right, you should put her in this camp. And then I went there and then ended up going to some camps in New York. We drove, we went to Hershey Racquet Club. I would play tournaments there. And then when I was probably six, seven, eight years old, probably eight years old, I went to, we moved to Boca Raton, Florida. And I went to Everett Tennis Academy and then that's kind of where it all began. I started going there and then Yeah, but you're like you're underselling this right now because you got a scholarship to go to Everett Academy yeah. in Boca. I mean, come on, you start playing tennis and then you get to go to Everett. Yeah. By the way, I will say, if Jessica, if you're listening right now, you and Jen could have been the Brady sisters, like the Bryan brothers. It could have been like historic. I'm just saying twins. Come on. Until you see her hit a backhand and you're like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
okay, fair. She got the brains. She got the brains. I got the athleticism. She is smart. She graduated med school. She's doing her residency. So she's killing it. She does not belong on the tennis court. That's a fact. Thumbs up to Jessica Brady. Thumbs up. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Everett because obviously your life changes. You're playing tennis. You're obviously great at wherever you started in Pennsylvania. You're pick it up very quickly. This is like A-list. We're talking Chris Everett, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I started there probably when I was 12 years old. I remember I was at the pool with my mom and mom and sister. My dad was actually working at the academy at the time. And he called my mom and was like, hey, where's Jenny? Get her over here ASAP. Put her in a nice little outfit. And so we went home. I changed. I put on a nice little outfit that I had. I don't know what it was. And I, I had this little sweatband that I wore. You can ask Madison Keys. I've known her since we were 12 years old. We went to the academy together. I was famous for my little headband. I'll have to get a picture and send it to you. But I... Just remember John Everett was there. I think Chrissy was there and they were like, all right, yeah, like, you know, she has potential, I guess. And, you know, I was ripping my forehands at that age still and beating up on guys going to the academy. And I started working with a coach there, a Utah Borges, Brazilian guy. And yeah, he really was keen on my strokes. And I give a lot of credit to him for just kind of building my game and the fundamentals, like you said, and just my technique. Uh, he was huge on technique. And we spent hours and hours and hours on technique, hitting lots of balls. And then, you know, I was there for five, six years until I went to UCLA. So yeah. I definitely became who I am today because of Chrissy and John and a lot of kudos and credit to them. Yeah, this is your life. Yeah. From Pennsylvania to Florida. I mean, this is it. You're, you're being, I don't want to say bread, but like you're really training at a young age to be in this position for today, right? Exactly. Yeah. What was little Jenny Brady like on court and off court? Oh, okay. Little Jenny Brady off court, you couldn't get a word out of her. She was silent. She didn't speak. It was just yes, no, nods her head, literally nothing. I was so shy. Why so shy though? What do you think? Looking back now and all the therapy that we've had, all of us? Looking back now, <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of it. And I just think growing up, I just always just kind of let my parents talk for me or I would be like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to do that. I don't know what dad would say or what dad would say about that or how he would want me to respond to that or just things like that. And Looking back, I kind of wish, you know, I didn't have that and I was a lot more open as a kid, but you know, yeah. I'd say we are as we are and we grow and we learn, yeah. but on court, I, I worked pretty hard. I kind of just put my head down and did the work. I, I remember I had a lot of superstitions. I like, if I was playing matches, I like wouldn't drink water or sit down and take breaks if I was winning. And then once I started losing, I would sit down and drink water. I, it was really weird. I had super, super strange superstitions. I'm so crazy superstitious. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a tennis player thing though. A hundred percent. I don't, Tony, do you have a superstition on court? No. I, oh, what's you're superstition? not superstitious. No. He's a little stitious. Oh, I'm so weird. No. I remember that from our doubles match though. From John getting the same ball, oh, getting yeah. from the same, you know. I have to bounce the same number too. Yes, and you're probably exactly. waiting. I don't know. Like, how many times is he going to do it? How annoying. I know. <laughs> We're playing mind games with ourselves out here. <laughs> Hundred. Tennis players are crazy. Yeah. I love that. I love that you're odd. Okay, good. Yeah, good. we well, are. <laughs> yeah. I do wonder, ultimately, you know, obviously, after Everett, you'd go on to play college tennis. And instead of turning pro right away. It turned out to be a great decision, obviously. Right. Great. Yeah. 
How did you decide on UCLA? Were there other schools in contention at this point? I went to California when I was young playing Easter Bowl and nationals. And I was like, oh my God, I want to move to California. My mom would always take me. We loved it. It was both of our favorite time of the year. I think we would go March or April and I just loved being in California. So growing up, I I wanted to go to Stanford, but then I found out, you know, the academics wasn't really for me. And I was like, UCLA, I took a visit. I actually really wanted to go to USC. A lot of my friends were there. I had some of my best friends to this day still. Good to know. Are from USC. So like Juliana Olmos, Sabrina Santa Maria. Like I was literally just hanging out with Juju this afternoon. So just hanging out with the USC girls. I knew them and I felt really comfortable, but. I'm sorry, does Tony, are we still, are we still a Jen Brady fan at this point? I don't know how deep that goes. Cause that's like the thing, right? I was about to turn it here. We knew that already, you know, she would post a lot of pictures, but and then with <laughs> yeah. Christy for about Stanford. So we get it, but yeah, okay. you're friends with McKenna. So we're good. Yeah. Back the pack. Back the pack. (laughs) Just making sure. All right, cool. I didn't know if that was like, I I just felt like there was like a tension for a minute. You squirmed when you, when, when (laughs) When she says, okay. (laughs) No. Okay. Good. All right. Good, good, good. So you've, yeah. So we're friends. We're friends with everybody. Again, we've already established that Jen Brady's friends. She breaks all boundaries. She breaks the the rival boundaries of college and the world. I broke the boundaries, literally. (laughs) But yeah, once I stepped foot on UCLA campus, I looked at my mom and I was like, mom, I'm going here for sure. I met Stella and Rance. I love them. The team was great. Everything about it was unbelievable. I mean, if you step foot on campus at UCLA, you're like, how can you not go here? It's probably the one, one of the most beautiful campuses. I've been to a lot of campuses and it is by far the prettiest. Right. And academically, it's unbelievable. The sports are amazing. I mean, there's no bad thing about UCLA. And look where it is. Look where USC is. LA, much better location. I know. Your freshman year especially, Jen, was so fun, I'm sure. Exceptional because you helped UCLA win the NCAA team title. I mean, that's just amazing. But I will say, I felt like every time I've watched you play tennis on television, every single time, a commentator would mention the same way they do now with Danielle Collins, I would say. I feel like they automatically bring up the fact that you played college tennis. And that's who I am. I'm Jen Brady. I played, you know, two years at UCLA. If you were a, I don't know, like an anime character, you'd be holding like a book. (laughs) Like that. That would be like your character in the WTA. Yeah. Like, oh, it's Jen yeah. Brady. I went to college, so I'm holding a book. Oh, the UCLA Bruin. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's all they say. Exactly. Is there really not anything else to talk about? I don't know. We'll find out today. You have a fan on Facebook, Ken McRoss in Newark, New Jersey. He commented and said, have you ever been annoyed with the media for constantly bringing up the fact that you went to college? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really the first thing. Oh, or when I first started working with my German coach. So you moved to Germany. And I was like, yeah, I didn't move there. I went to train there. And that was 18 months ago. So we can move on <laughs> from this subject. It was fine when I talked about it for the first month, but 12 months later, we don't really need to talk about it. So yeah. Also, how good's your German, by the way? Nine. Nine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, no German for me. Well done though. Well done with nine. We're yeah. really, really, really yeah. good. I just felt like your whole run in Australia and a lot of people commented as well. It was just like, okay, yeah. Jen Brady went to college for two years. Great. You know, there's a lot more. Get let's, over let's it. kind of, yeah, get over it. Same thing with Danielle. Yeah. We've heard about it. Well, good. She went to Virginia. I know she went to Virginia. Great. I'm excited yeah. for her. Well, your freshman year, you started playing some ITF events and you got your ranking all the way up to 220 in the world. So let's go to question two today of four. And it'll be for you, Jen. It's about your rise up the WTA rankings 
on the ITF Ooh. tour. Let's see how oh. good your memory is. Ooh. All right, Jen. By 2014, you'd begin to seriously play ITF events and start beating the world's best. In fact, the first time you ever played Naomi Osaka was in the first round of an ITF event in 2014. Can you remember? New Braunfels. Oh, sorry. I beat you to it. Oh, <laughs> got him. Can you remember which city that you played Naomi Osaka in? Clearly, New Braunfels. New Braunfels. Ding, 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 ding. Next. Ding, ding. I'm going to do ding, ding. ding. All right, we're even today. Wait, can I give you multiple choice? Is it A, New Braunfels, Texas, B, Antarctica, Antarctica, C, the Sahara Desert, Whoa. or D, my living room? Which one was it? D. <laughs> Where is New Braunfels, Texas, by the way? Uh, in the middle of nowhere. Okay. I think there's actually an academy nearby, T-Bar M or something. Okay. I just remember there was not really much. I would love to know because obviously you're transitioning from college to the ITF circuit. How would you describe those early years playing ITF tennis? A grind, but I loved it. There'd be three girls in one room. We would share a room. But like I said before, I loved being on a team. And when I was at UCLA, I always got the pool out or I would be in the back of the car. So I was used to just slumming it. So I loved, loved like yeah. playing. Just because I was able to play tennis and I was like, I don't give a crap about anything else. We had Taylor Townsend on the show and who I love. And yeah, Tay's the best. She said ITF can be rough. Yeah. She said, you know, she described it as even more cutthroat than the main tour sometimes. Oh, yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Why so cutthroat? Why would you think? Uh, well, for me, I never thought, I've never thought any situation that I'm in to be cutthroat. I think for other people, maybe because a lot of people, are always just kind of putting themselves in positions where they're alone, where I always surrounded myself with people that care about me or that I care about. So I never felt alone out on tour, but I'd never felt alone ever. So that's why I love it so much. I mean, all of my friends are on tour. So when I'm home, I'm like, mm, this is so boring. I'm ready to start traveling again because I have no friends, which might actually help like balance out if I have friends at home and also friends on tour. But anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, it can be cut through in a certain way because you are grinding out there alone. Just like calling your own lines, doing that kind of thing. Like people are cheating, mm -hmm. just like little stuff like that. And it's different when you're at the top level. It's totally different. Yeah. You won four ITF events. Do you remember winning that first title in Redding, California? Oh, yeah. It was back in 2014. Obviously, it's been a while. But coming from college, I feel like maybe that would have been very vindicating for you to have won that first pro title. Yeah, I think I won singles and doubles with Lauren Embry. Yeah, you did. Yeah. She played college too, didn't she? She did. Go Gators. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Do you have an early memory? Obviously, I mean, you, you win that first title, but do you have a memory from the ITF tour that you think still to this day, that was maybe one of your proudest memories, or maybe a, a moment that you kind of think back and say, okay, you know, I did this there, or maybe you had a big comeback or maybe someone cheated, or maybe there was just like a match that is just ingrained in your memory from the ITF circuit that you just still hold on to today. Ooh, uh, there is a moment it's not a good moment, but there's a moment that I'll like never forget is I remember I was playing in Las Vegas and I, I don't know if I was up or down or whatever, but I ended up losing the match, whatever. And I actually called Mackie McDonald after, cause we were both, it was over the summer and we were both playing tournaments and we were both just like depressed and 
and we were like, I don't know if this is for us. Like, I don't know if we can do it. I don't know if I can make it. Like, it's such a grind. I'm not good enough. And we we're both kind of venting and just like really having a pity party with ourselves about it. And, oh. and to this day, I'll never forget that because I'm like, wow, like, look where we are now. You know, we kind of just kept working and, and getting better. And, and we proved to ourselves that we could do it. And, you know, we belong at this level. Oh, I love that story. That's great. That's awesome. If I like thought about him for a few days, I could probably come up with a better story. But like, that's like always just been engraved. <laughs> well, good. No, I mean, I feel inspired right now. That's good. Okay. Well, more good times are ahead, right? Because let's move on to question three. Tony, this is your last question. It's about Jen's amazing run to the 2017 Australian Open. And you don't get multiple choice. Okay. <laughs> The first round was like freshman round. And now we're in the sophomore round since Jen, you know, she went to two years at UCLA. We're in, we're in the sophomore year. We're about to turn pro. Okay. <laughs> Tony, Jennifer would win three tough qualifying matches to advance to the main draw of the 2017 Australian Open, where she'd ultimately battle her way into her first fourth round appearance of a major. Her fourth round opponent would eventually advance to that year's semifinals where she'd play only her second Grand Slam semifinal, the first being 18 years earlier at the 1999 Wimbledon Championships. Which player did Jen Brady play in the fourth round of the 2017 Australian Open that after the match gave her a piggyback ride off the court? <laughs> no, she's not. Let's go with Austin. No. Lucic Baroni. Yes, Lucic Baroni. Oh, yes. Where's the money spare? <laughs> <laughs> Insert sound effect right now, money spare. That, honestly, I was such, and still to this day, such a big Lucic Baroni fan. Same. But this was really the first time that Jen Brady came onto my radar was that tournament for you. Because, you know, you're, you're battling through the ITF circuit and you go through qualifying and you make the fourth round. You're in the spotlight now. This is where you want to be. This is what you train for, right? This is amazing. You're playing all these amazing players in Melbourne. It was great. I do love a good veteran moment, like the Alize Cornet moment in Australia this year. This was really great. Yeah. Well, if you've been paying attention today, we know Jen Brady went to UCLA, but let's get to know Jen on another level. And we're going to play five stupid questions with Jen Brady. Are we ready? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Question number one, what's Jen Brady's favorite word? Is there a word that you use more than more than most? I don't know. Oh, well, I was going to say a word, but uh, it's not very appropriate. So I was thinking of another it's word. It's an F word. It's fine. Yeah, I was going to be like, fuck. Yeah, fuck's great. It's a great word. That's not my favorite word. That's not my favorite word, though. Or maybe um. Um is your favorite word. Um, A-H-M, spelled A-H-M, not U-A-M, A-H-M, um. <laughs> I'd say um. Um, that's Pennsylvania um. Yeah, P-A Dutch. Is that Amish country that you're from? Yeah, yep, Lancaster. Yeah. 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 Yep. Tony, do you have a favorite word? Wait, he owned that though. He owned it. I was just like, oh, I'm not going to say Man. it. The family friendly show, you know. Now we get to censor today. I love it. We get to put that little C on this show today because everyone's saying the F word. <laughs> Piggyback is probably my favorite word. I've said it six times today. If you're drinking at home, that's yeah. the secret word. Everyone take a shot. Yeah. Every time he says piggyback, take a shot. <laughs> All right, Jen, name a player on tour that you hate to play. Is there anyone's game that you just don't match up well against? Oh, 
Like you look at the draw and you're just like, oh, oh not her. Camilla Georgie. Yeah. Just because she's going to play lights out or it's going to be like an hour, like it's going to be yeah. four hours or like 30 seconds. Yeah. 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 But th- there's nobody that, I'm, yeah, there's nobody that I <laughs> hate to play. I can't think of it. This is, my rapid fire is horrendous. You're a warrior. That's why. She doesn't care. She doesn't care who she plays. She's a UCLA Bruin, everyone. Come on. Yeah. She's a Bruin. Right. She's a brew. Yeah. No one. <laughs> What's the most ridiculous fact that you know? That's a tough one. That's really tough. I don't really know any facts. What do you know? Nickname something. I don't know. Uh, who created E equals MC squared? Uh, Albert Einstein. Let's do it. Go Bruins, baby. Let's go. Go Bruins. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Number four, I retired this question, but it's coming out of retirement. Jen, everyone tells me you have the best sense of humor, but who on tour do you think has the best sense of humor? Myself. Yeah. You look in the mirror when you like come off the court and you just tell yourself a joke. Yeah, there's nobody funny on tour, to be honest. Yeah, Ons Jabor is always like a close second to you, by the way. Oh, Ons is great. Yeah, actually, I take yeah. it back. Ons is great, yeah. but she's not as funny. She still comes up to me for a laugh. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, cool. I'm just saying there's not like, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen you in the locker room, to be honest. So maybe you have a stand-up mic and you're just doing a show. I drop the mic a lot. <laughs> uh, number five. Last one. How do you handle losses? Honestly, like a, like a bad loss. Are, can I talk to you after a match? Or do you need like a minute? Oh, I was going to say I cry myself to sleep, but I don't unless it was a very, very tough match. I definitely cried a little bit after Australia, but I would say you can talk to me. Yeah. Just give me a couple minutes to cool down and talk to me. Honestly, one of my biggest pet peeves is when if I lose and people are walking by and they're like walking on eggshells and I'm like, hey, you got something to say? Say it. Like, don't be, you're the eggshell. You're the eggshell walker. I'm the eggshell walker. Like, I would just be like, mm. your hair looks pretty. No. If you ever saw me, just, no, just, or when people are like, bad luck, mm. or just be, just say what you would say if I walk by normally. Like, don't try to change the conversation. Because, mm-hmm. like, when I see people, I'm just like, hey. like hey, you fucked up. Yeah. You go home like, and cry yourself to sleep because you yeah. should be embarrassed for yourself. Yeah. That's what you say to them? Yeah. <laughs> well. Oh, yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. No, no, never, but. <laughs> and then they cry. And then they would cry. So. You just said you cried after Australia. Not to, I don't want to, you know, we don't have to talk about it really, but that moment. But to talk about it. Well, I love talking. That's good. Talking is good, actually. This is good. This is good for all of us. Yeah. But I do wonder, I mean, from a fan perspective, and maybe Tony, maybe you can jump in here too. I don't know. But from a fan perspective, there's a buildup. Obviously, we just talked about it from Lexington to New York to Melbourne you kept climbing the ladder of success and you kept doing better. You kept reaching all the goals that probably since you were a little kid had in your mind and you get to Australia and you play a great tournament. I mean, phenomenal tournament. I have chills right now. You can't see them. I mean, I'm just so, we were so proud of you. I was so proud of you. And you get to that match and you're playing Naomi and Naomi's playing lights. It's Naomi Osaka, right? This is not New Brunfield's Naomi. Yeah. No, unfortunately, you know what? I went into that match and was thinking, okay, hopefully she's New Braunfels Naomi, but she wasn't. (laughs) I hope it's New Braunfels Naomi today. (laughs) It wasn't. But I mean, after the match, were you upset because it was over and the hype and all of the euphoric moments were done? Or were you really disappointed with how you played in that match and you thought you could win that final? I'd say it was a combination of both, but 
I think I was just more disappointed in myself and how I approached the match. I kind of went into it not not ready to be a Grand Slam champion. I wasn't ready mentally. And I think that was holding me back. And I was upset with myself that I was sort of blocking myself from mm. being in that moment. And I think if you ask either one of us, we definitely didn't even play a good match. I don't think she served very well. I definitely had a lot of opportunities, a lot of looks compared to our match at the US Open. But hey, it is what it is. I think I've learned a lot from that. Just now when I go into my next Grand Slam final or the second week of a Grand Slam, I'm going to be like, hey, listen, you belong yeah. here and you deserve to win. So I'm going to approach every single match the same as opposed to, I kind of just typed the whole situation. I was like, oh my God, mm. you know, I have to do this after the match. If I win, I have to do that. Blah, blah, blah. Instead of just going and playing another tennis match. And I really kind of just hindered myself. Do you feel like it was you in your head or do you- Just me. It was cool. solely me. Yeah, for sure. And curiously, what was that transition like? Because you had talked about it with Martina recently about that you weren't ready mentally to win that Grand Slam. Like, yeah. what was that transition like for you? It was just, it was weird. Just first of all, making the semifinals of US Open and then going into being like, okay, wow. You know, after that, I was like, holy shit, I belong here. Like, I belong at this level. I just won a tournament. Mm. I'm making the second week of a Grand Slam again, but I'm making the semifinals this time. And then approaching Australia and making the finals, I was like, oh, wow. This is like come around. This is like full circle. This is where I belong. But I wasn't ready for the win. I wasn't ready to hold it. I wasn't ready to hold the trophy and... It may, like, from the outside, it may be like, well, why? Like, why? You know, it's just another match, whatever. Yeah. It's a tournament. Who wouldn't want to win a tournament? But if you think about it, like, think about it. Like, John, think about it. Like, what would happen if you won a Grand Slam tomorrow? Like, you would think your whole life would change, but in reality, it wouldn't. And that's what I kind of expected. I was like, oh, my God, my whole life is going to change. There's going to be so much more. But in reality, there wouldn't. Like, I'm not Emma Raducanu, you know, like, it really wouldn't change. I'm a college tennis player. So, <laughs> it really, but like, honestly, like in the grand scheme of things, it's just a tennis tournament. You win another yeah. tournament and it's what you want to do. Like, that's why we train is to hold up the trophies. And I really, really want to get back to there. So when I do come back, when I'm healthy, yeah. I'm, I know I'm going to have another opportunity and another chance. And I'm happy that I was able to experience that and know that, okay, Jenny, like you belong at this level. You deserve to win. Oh my gosh. You definitely do. Thank you. Those two weeks were just as a fan. So proud of you. Just, just so you know that. Yeah. This is the the progress that we had been hoping for. So. <laughs> well, it's time for our last question for today. And it's for you, Jen. It's about your epic 2020 season. <laughs> All right. You came out of quarantine playing lights out to win your first career singles title in Lexington, Kentucky. And you follow that up and you made the semifinals of the U.S. Open just a few weeks later. So here's your question. You won all five of your matches in Lexington without dropping a set. You also won your first five U.S. Open matches to reach the semifinals without dropping a set. In which tournament did you lose fewer games in those first five rounds? Lexington. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. Fewer games. Wait. Uh, what tournament did you lose fewer games? U.S. Open. Okay. U.S. Open. Okay. Wait, was I right my first? Because I know I won one match that was 6-0 and then two, wait, one, two. Oh, wait. No, don't count because I am a trickster. <laughs> 
because you said first Lexington and then you said US Open, right? They're both right. The same. You were just crazy. You're just like a crazy tennis player. It was player. the same. You were just like in the zone. That's how in the zone you were. You lost 24 games in Lexington, the first five matches. You lost 24 games in New York, <laughs> those first five matches. If you don't go out and play the lottery tonight, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Holy sh. Holy 24. Holy moly. All right. Play the Florida Lotto 24, 24, 5, 24. All right. Here's our last. We're winding down today with Jen, Jennifer, Jenny Brady. Can we talk about you coming out of quarantine? Because now that we've had some time to reflect, what do you think that biggest factor was you coming out and just playing gangbusters for that time? I know you had that loss to Pagula in there too. I, I get that. That was fine. But you come out, you win your first WT title. Then you go to New York. It just kept going. What happened in quarantine? What were you eating that other people were not? What were you doing that I was not doing? Because I was Netflixing <laughs> and watching like Money Heist. And that's not what you were doing, apparently. No, that wasn't what I was doing. But I did watch Money Heist. But <laughs> I was eating a lot, boy. <laughs> I was training a lot, eating a lot. I mm. turned my garage into a gym. I had the whole shebang. I was out there four days a week in the garage in the summer heat, sweating my little tail off. And I was practicing with Caroline Dolhide. First couple months, we were going every single day. And then we were like, oh my God, when's the next tournament? Yeah. We're going to like burn ourselves out. I would go three times a week. She would go every day. So yeah, mm. I was training a lot. I was walking a lot. I would go on walks. I would go on walks with my dad and we would go for like two, three hours. Like Drink vodka with mom. Yeah. 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 Literally, I was literally outside all day, every single day. I tried not to, like during the day, I wouldn't lay on the couch or watch Netflix. It would only be like my nighttime routine. Yeah. And other than that, I was, I was working really hard. Like my coach and my trainer were both in Germany and I was in Florida. Daniel, my trainer was sending me my gym plan every single day that I did it. And then Michael, my coach was sending me my tennis plan. Me and Caroline would do that. Honestly, it I loved it. I was like, this is a break I needed. This is awesome. Like I knew I was working my ass off and I knew other people weren't. So like that really mm. fueled me even more. It, it kind of shows. Your draw in Lexington was not easy. Yeah, I mean, you Lexington was Dad. Everyone wanted to play. Everyone was itching to get off the couch, right? So it was, yeah. it was everyone. It yeah. was Coco Goff. It was Teekman in the final. I mean, it Serena was... and Venus were there. Like it was everyone. nuts. Everybody yeah. played. Sabalenka was there. Yeah. What do you remember from that week? What what was what's your memory from that coming out of quarantine kind of event? That was a big time for tennis too. They had had that event in Charleston, I remember, with Madison Keys and, and Team Kindness, and I, but you know that was the big comeback for WTA tennis. And then Lexington happened, and it's like, hi, yeah, I don't know if you know me, I'm Jen Brady. Uh, here I am. I'm gonna win. I'm gonna about to win all the shit. Yeah, is what you said. Yeah, yeah. My first round match against Heather, I was like so nervous. It was just weird competing again because it had been so long. I was like freaking out whenever I would lose a game. I'd be like, oh my God, oh, yeah. I don't know what to do. I don't know what this, is, this feeling is. What is this? Like, what's happening? And then once I got over that, it was really yeah. good. I was serving really well. I think I remember a stat. Somebody said that I won like 90 something percent first serves yeah. points and I don't think I got broken or I got broken once or something. And yeah, I was serving well. I mean, I did a lot of serving practice and I was playing good. It was a good time. It was, it was fun. You kept up the momentum after that title. You'd carry your form onto the U.S. Open, which must have been a dream come true. 
your defeat of Angie Kerber in the fourth round was a big moment because, you know, it was really some of the best tennis of your career too, playing an established U.S. Open legend like Angie Kerber. And then beating Miss Congeniality, Putin Seva, in the quarterfinals. Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, I know you're the locker room favorite, but when you're not around, she grabs your mic. She does. She's doing the stand-up routine. She does. <laughs> she is a hoot. She is an absolute hoot. Hilarious. Hilarious. Was there a particular match maybe in... Lexington or New York? And if not, just make one up. Where did this new Jen Brady come from? Like, was there a moment? I know you said you were nervous in that first Heather Watson match, but where was it? Do you feel like that trajectory match that just said, okay, I'm through this match. I'm going to play the best tennis of my career. I'm a new player now. Yeah. The Kova match. I think it was six, four, six, oh, or something or six, oh, six. I don't remember. But Mm. I just remember in that match, I was like, holy shit, I can't miss a ball. I was like, oh my God, I am playing so good. And then after that, I was just like teeing off on every single match that I played. And then uh, like, shout out to Caroline Garcia. Like we play so much and I play her every time. And we just laugh at this point because we've played so much. And there was a period where for one year, I think it was like 2018 or yeah, I think it may have been 2018 where she had the better of me. And then after that, and starting in 2019, I played her in Thailand and then in Dubai and then Indian Wells. And I beat her all three times. And now like whenever I see her in the draw, I just laugh. I laugh to myself <laughs> because I'm like, ha ha, ha ha ha. I got you. <laughs> and so when I played her at the open, I was like, ha ha ha. So for the US Open, that was the match for me where I was like, okay, you know, if I get through this, then, you know, I can... I can do well here. You go on after that US Open run and, you know, you have your off season, you start in Melbourne, you're playing so well, and then you get to Australia. And we've talked about Australia and we're winding down today and you get to Melbourne and you have the best tournament of your career so far, so far, because so much to come. You're still so young, right? Yes. Do we feel like when we come back, you belong now at the top of the game? You're ranking, you're getting to the top 20 in the world. I mean, you're you're doing all the things that as a young player at the Everett Academy, when you're young and you're and you're thinking you should be yeah. top 10 one day, you're you're there. I mean, you're right there. You're getting to Grand Slam finals, your your ranking is there. I mean, do you feel like when you get to the next tournament and you get to the next Grand Slam that you play, do you feel like you can win this tournament? Yeah, I think so. I just it, it's not going to be easy. I know that. And, you know, fans, bear with me. It's been a while since I've been on court. But let me tell you, when I come back, I may not win the first tournament back, but I'm going to start winning them. And yeah. I know it's definitely not going to be an easy road back. And just getting back to competing, I've never been more excited. To be honest with you, this break, I wish it didn't happen, but it could also be a blessing in disguise because I know I'm going to be hungrier than ever. And I appreciate, and I think some people take it for granted what they have. Their career is literally training and hitting a yellow fuzzy ball. So um, I'm looking forward to it. We're in our last moments today with a fantastic Jennifer Brady. I always like to end the show with a fan question. So Tony... Bring us home. What questions do you have for Jen? Jen Brady, Jennifer, UCLA Brady. So in preparation for your return on tour, who are we going to call to celebrate your first tournament back winning? Who do you have? Who is on your list of like people to call to go party with and we're going to celebrate with? Oh, people to party with? Yeah. Okay. Asia Muhammad, my girl. Whenever we go out, we always have a good time. Asia, Naomi Brody, we had a big send off in London one year. 
so I hope they, they hear this. I'm going to tell them to watch this and just kind of scroll until the end. So they don't have to listen to my voice from the beginning. But yeah, I there's a couple people. I mean, Asia definitely top of the list. Caroline Dolhide, it's always a great time. But I mean, I would definitely call my mom after winning yeah. for sure but if you're going to win a grand slam obviously you get to the australian open final if you're going to win your first one do you want redemption in australia next year is that the one you want do you want us open your grass court game has gotten so much better too i mean you're where do we what's like the the vision right now like what's the fantasy thing me that'd be unbelievable any of them us open home turf Count me in. New York City, night out. Are you joking? Manhattan? Oh my God, I would tear it up. So I would say US Open, sign me up. And I'm flying you guys out there. We're going to have a hell of a time. <laughs> I live here. I'm right around the corner. That's great. We're, we're cheering cool. you on. We're in New York All City. Right. Let's go. Let's do this. So today was so much fun. I had so much fun today. Oh my gosh. Well, Jen, whenever you jump back on court, all of us will be watching and supporting. You have tons of new fans out there and anticipate you coming back and being where you belong back at the top of the game. So thanks for joining today. In 2020, you made your first Grand Slam semifinal. In 2021, you made your first Grand Slam final. In 2022, who knows? Who knows? I don't know. The ladder keeps growing. Our guest today can be found on Instagram at Jenny underscore Brady seven and on Twitter at Jennifer Brady 95. I never understood your, your Twitter. J-E-N-N-I-F-U-R Brady95. There we go. Follow her. Uh, my friend Sabrina, Sabrina Santa Maria, she plays. She went to USC. And so I was like, oh, I want a Twitter Sabs. And she was like, okay, well, you have to have like a cool name. So she's like, all right, let's make one. And she calls me Jennifer. She she always calls me Jennifer. So I was like, okay, well, what can I name it? And she goes, what about Jennifer? Like, if you are. I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> but at the time, it was funny, and I just never changed it. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to be cheering you on this season for sure. Tony, it was so good to see you. After 10 years. Thank you so much. We're undefeated in doubles. I know, 10 years. That's right. We are undefeated. We'll, we'll set it up. 4-0, baby. We'll, set it, we'll, we'll, we'll take on Jen. <laughs> She can pick Santa Maria. That's fine. <laughs> no problem. We got this. Mohammed, Dolhide, Vandaway, bring them on. Great. We got this. We got this. <laughs> and while you're on Instagram or Twitter, shoot me a message at John Garika. Let me know who you're a big fan of and who you'd like to hear on an upcoming show. Also, don't forget to follow us at Fantastic Tennis Pod or on Twitter at Fan Tennis Pod. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, I definitely appreciate a great review to help keep it on the air. My name is John Garika, and thank you for listening. This has been. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs>